Hello, and welcome to the Marvel Center Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today, we're going to talk about our favourite sports movies, um, in light of, if you're in the UK listening, uh, the Euros, um, and how we're so excited about, I believe the phrase is, it's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the national slogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's for me personally, it's like the one time of year where I actually watch football. Um, <laughs> I know for you, that's different. You watch it quite, if, like you keep up the date. Keep up the date. Yeah, I, I watch it more regularly than you. I watch it, yeah. yeah. I support a low league team and mm-hmm. it's hard. Life's hard. <laughs> it, yeah, I think that's why I avoid it. I don't like having a different pain <laughs> every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, before that, just want to mention that we do have an Instagram account at Marvelous Summer Podcast, uh, where we do daily reviews from Tuesday to Friday, and on a Monday we upload this podcast. Um, at the moment, we're making our way through the Spider-Man movies, like literally every live-action, theatrically released Spider-Man movie. Um, we're having a lot of fun doing that. Uh, I think upcoming is Homecoming, I think. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, um, yeah. So we've got that over there at Marvel Cinema Podcast. Um, also got a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. We're doing basically the same thing, but on Twitter, uh, every review, every day reviews, Tuesday to Friday and Monday podcast. And uh, yeah, give us a follow there, like, comment, share with your friends, your family, your twice removed cousin. I don't know. Do what you want. Um, but yeah, today we're talking about sports movies. Uh, and I guess to get started, I would like to ask. What I guess to you, what defines a good sports movie? It's so weird, kind of find a genre because it's quite easily done wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it sort of it overlaps with a different, another sort of genre which has its own difficulties in the in the biopic. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the time. A lot of sports-related movies are based on reality. I think partly because it never really works when it's purely fictional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I have on my list. I have maybe I have uh, three mm-hmm. sport or sort of sports-related films which aren't biopics. Um, several of them because, in fact, even, even one of them isn't actually could. Cost, could be classed as a biopic, so we'll say two. <laughs> Only two of them are purely fictional, um, purely fictional sports films, and that's because a lot of a lot of sports films rely on sort of the idea of an underdog. Yeah. Um, and underdogs in sports are quite a a well known, almost cliched thing that. You have to, it has to be real in order for you to properly invest in it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and focusing on real people. So it's difficult to get right, but it is one that I think when you do get right, it can be so effective. Mm-hmm. It can be really, really effective. And you, can, you can capture, you can, yeah, you can really capture something special, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your general thoughts on them? Um, I guess my general thoughts is I think they're they're often kind of 
it's weird because I'm not really a sports person at all. Like I, I literally had no idea the Euros were happening until last week. Um, so I had no idea about that. But it's weird that I would say the sporting movie genre is kind of a soft spot for me. I always kind of give it a bit more leeway. I think. Um, I kind of, I don't know why. I just kind of I always at the bare minimum enjoy the idea of a sports movie. Um, especially like an underdog story, like you're saying. Um, and I think, I think one of the best parts about sports movies is how important the sport is. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're watching a movie about football or baseball or whatever it is, for whatever reason, for that two hours of your life and that story in the world that takes place in baseball or football or boxing is the most important thing in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it seems to decide how the universe works. And it's it's almost ridiculous how much it, that sort of happens um and, but at the same time i always like love to buy into that and like like i've got a few examples that kind of follow this mode but just sort of really nice seeing a movie about a subject be so in love with the subject um mm-hmm. and i think that's always usually great um i think a good sports movie to me is always one kind of it is about the sport, but it is also, and it is like based on like anything that's important is based upon what happens within the games or whatever it might be, the, the matches. But it's always about the people, and it's always about the people that are doing that sport and how that the kind of end point of whatever boxing match or whatever it might be is kind of just if the arc comes to an end and not just a different match. Um, it's very rare that I. It's very rare that I've even seen a, a sports movie where it's literally all down to how good you are at the actual sport, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually down to a character arc that ends with a point where it makes sense for them to win because they're finally in the right headspace. Um, it's usually that sort of thing, and I always enjoy that. Um, one of my favourite tropes in any genre of movie, any, any, like, any of it, is... Um, someone beating a villain through the power of friendship and character rocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always love that. And I think that's what a great sport movie usually has. Um, but yeah, do you want to get started with your first pick? Sorry? Do you want to get started with your first pick? Yeah, I can do. I can, uh, I can make a start with one. Um, I do actually have quite a few. I didn't think, I, I thought I started with the core few and thought that oh, that's it. But nah, the more I think about it, the more I've accumulated loads um so i'm I'm gonna start off with one that i've seen fairly recently i saw i was sort of incentivized to see it by a video on youtube um which said you know you should definitely see this which you know it's a dangerous road (laughs) but i decided you know i'm gonna watch it and i thought it was pretty great and that film is moneyball oh this is on my list too yeah it's it's such a I don't know difficult to describe, but it's just there's something this okay okay let me start that again. So we well obviously grew up in England and baseball isn't as much of a thing here. In fact, it basically isn't a thing. It's not really a thing at all. <laughs> yeah, baseball is something that's sort of almost exclusively seen as an American thing. But I genuinely really like it when it's shown in films. I think it has 
it has something of a magical property to it. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. I don't understand the rules. I've never played it. Mm-hmm. But whenever films have shown it, it's always felt a little bit magical. Yeah. And our version of it really is rounders when you're in school. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Playing it on the schoolyard where you got half a dozen frozen 15-year-olds waiting <laughs> to aimlessly swing a bat at a ball. Yeah. Or if you're particularly poor, waiting to swing a tennis racket at a ball. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's sort of the idea of the baseball, all those people in the stadium, they've got the hot dogs and what have you. And the fact that, you know, they, they, they treat these players like heroes, which I suppose in a romantic sense, football is like that. But my experience of football is that there's, there isn't the sense that the players are treated like heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas whenever it's shown in films, baseball, it genuinely, it shows like baseball players as genuine gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and the legends of the game, it treats them with, with such high esteem. I don't know if it's actually like that, or, or if, if like football in England, the fans use any excuse to abuse the players. I imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Moneyball, it, it's so fascinating how it takes the look at baseball through not one of the players, not even through the coach, but through that sort of the recruitment manager. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's such a, it's so I, th- I think I think it's a film to fully enjoy. I think you have to have some, you have to be willing to sort of invest yourself in a sport. Yeah. Because there's a lot of sort of technical terms. And again, I don't really understand them because I'm not overly familiar with the technical aspects of, of, of baseball. But it's one that just seems fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's helped enormously by Brad Pitt, who has a great, a great performance, one of the, most underrated acting performances of from recent memory, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it just has such a, a strong, simple underdog feeling to it, but it just feels so. It feels so relaxed. I think. It does. Yeah. It feels like you're always building, and it's never like I don't know how to put it. It's just like it's always building in the movie. Hmm. And it it uses. Something that's sort of a major difficulty in sports films is actually showing the sport because it always looks odd, I think. <laughs> it's, it's something that you especially notice with if a film tries to show football, mm-hmm. but it's always really odd sometimes trying to trying to actually depict the sport, and it's a film that I think does that really well. Mm-hmm. Like it seems to use it uses sort of like a mix of of archive footage and stuff they've shot themselves, and it really it's all used it's used really well, and it really helps create the 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 full atmosphere of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's um it's just a really it's a really enjoyable film. It is, and I think it's it kind of surprised me as well because I was. And heard good things, but I was not expecting to love it, and mm. I kind of did. And I think it was kind of a magical experience because it was so much of it was like kind of like the that movie, The Big Show, which was just a lot of technical terms that I don't know, <laughs> um, and a lot of just name dropping of like different baseball players that I obviously don't know either. Um, and it's a weird movie because it's literally all about managing and 
money and like trying to do like the maths on what you know paying for this person would do for us compared to this person and it's all this kind of weird thing but i think the undercurrent of having the story is about again a kind of an underdog story of paying for these kind of cheap players who have been kind of taken out of the baseball kind of game for like one like they had like an injury or whatever um and then kind of getting that team together even though they're really good players but no one's recognized that because so like people aren't paying enough money for them or whatever it might be um at the end having them all together and like again it's one of those kind of things where another thing i think about when i think about sports movies is the trope of they don't win but they do win that sort of thing <laughs> it happens a lot <laughs> um I, and I, again i always enjoy it it's a weird soft spot for me where i'm like yeah i love that sort of thing where they they don't win like by any sort of metric of like who's actually winning the game or whatever but like at the end everyone cheers for them harder than the other team um, mm. and i always love that sort of thing um and yeah i totally agree moneyball is a really special film and i love the music as well the music's great mm, it's such a it's such a again it sort of builds into the relaxing aspect it's quite a calming score mm-hmm. yeah and i mean johnny hill as well is giving a great performance um and i think it's it's one of my favorite lines comes in that film and i don't I think it, i think it's johnny hill that says it it's something like it has it like this big metaphor and then someone's and he says at the end of it it's a metaphor and, and then back people applaud yeah i know it's a metaphor and it just moves on and I always love that line. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Yeah, I know it's a metaphor. <laughs> I, just, I love, love it. And um, yeah, I totally agree. Moneyball is very good. Yeah. Mm. Would you like to move on to your, your first one? Uh-huh. Um, I think for me, I'm going to go for the almost like obvious one. Um, and it's kind of a more of an excuse to talk about the entire franchise. But I'm going to pick one in particular. Um, I'm going to say Creed. Um, oh yeah, yeah i had i had uh yeah i had the creed filmed on my list yeah <laughs> it's i love this film so much and i think i will get to it but i want to talk about just the franchise in general and how much i love weirdly every movie in the franchise even the ones that i don't like which makes no sense um mm. like rocky one i love to death i love that film so much and rocky two i really like um rocky three is interesting because it's it it feels at the beginning of the end, <laughs> um, and I have a really unpopular opinion. I think, which is, I think the fourth one is the worst one, um, with Drago and the Russians and uh, Apollo Creed's death. I think that film is. It, I still, again, weirdly, I still love it. I just don't like it. It's it's just a weird thing where I have such a a love for the character of Rocky and that world that even its worst entry that I don't really care about that much i still love it for being a rocky film um, and yeah i just yeah the fourth one's a bit weird to me and just a bit too much and a bit it loses the actual point of the first couple of movies which is just spending time with the character and his weird wisdom even though he's not like you know not meant to be that smart he's weirdly the most wise character and there's so many like different things about that first movie that i just love so much and i love the fact that the first movie is it doesn't really have that much of a structure to it. It's very much just day to day of this guy's life. Um, mm-hmm. He is down on his, he's, he's the most down on his luck you've ever seen a character be. Um, and it's amazing. And I think the third and fourth films are kind of this weird thing where they're, I would, I would say kind of like an identity crisis where because 
Rocky had won the world championship and whatever and all that. It's kind of one of those things where, well, how are we making him down as look now? Now he's probably a millionaire <laughs> and he has his, his wife and now a child and he is definitely no longer down as look. How do you make a film about that character again? Mm. And I do think the fourth and the third and fourth film kind of suffer from that. And the fifth film, the really popular opinion, I think, as well, from my part, um, I think it's a slight improvement um, over the fourth one, at least. Um, the fifth one, the one that has actually no boxing match. Um, mm-hmm. And it feels like Creed, but bad. <laughs> um, because it's a film where Rocky is past his prime and has to teach someone that's younger than him to do what he did. Um, but his son is kind of the other part of that story, which is, I know it's a big, a big point of contention. People hate the son in the fifth film. <laughs> and I kind of understand why. He is a bit of a brat. <laughs> um, but the fifth film, again, I just kind of find it interesting because it's, it's so nostalgic for itself. Um, and it, try, it literally tries to do like a rewind on the whole franchise. Like it literally gives uh, Rocky some sort of, I think a brain damage or something like that. So that he can't fight again. And then they take all his money away from him by some sort of very, very contrived and weird and random thing to do with some sort of law. So he has no money and he is can't fight again. So they literally went, it's just a contrived movie all, all over really. But it is kind of more what I like from the movie. So I guess I like it a bit more than the fourth one. Um, but then going ahead, and I think this is probably the era that I most love. Um, going ahead to the film Rocky Balboa, and then Creed, and then Creed Two. Um, they're just such lovely films, <laughs> um, and I think Creed stands out as probably the best one out of those three. Even though I like all three of them a lot, um, and Creed is just—I want to say it's probably the best, alongside maybe Mad Max Fury Road, as like the best long-awaited sequel sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. That came like decades later, <laughs> and it's yeah. I think it, I also kind of miss the trope in blockbusters where you would get the old star of the franchise to come back and teach a new person because you don't really get that anymore very much, and I kind of miss that. Um, and Creed has that throughout the entire thing, and I just yeah, I love Creed a lot, and I think Ryan Coogler directing it is. I think that's probably the first moment everyone mainstream kind of wise like knew him from Creed and then mm-hmm. went back to Fruit Falsius and all that and then Black Panther obviously um, and yeah Creed is because I, I watched it like I think like three days ago I think and it was one of those things where the entire time literally like the entire time I was just so happy that I was watching the movie um, it's one of those experiences where I'm always happy to watch the entire thing it was, it was on TV um, and it's just it's a great movie and surprisingly I I don't know why, but I was kind of dreading Creed 2. Um, I think because Creed 1 is so great to me, and I think it's a return of the franchise, that to me, if it ended with Creed 1, I would have been totally happy. Um, but Creed 2, it when I saw the trailer, it kind of threatened to be going down the road of the fourth movie to me, which is big matches between big bad guys. And the threat is more to do with, there's a new enemy and he's stronger than you. And that's the whole point of the whole movie. Um, which is generally not the point of Rocky uh, the movies, and I, I just Creed two surprised me because I it wasn't that it used those elements to tell a pretty engaging and well thought out story, and even Dragor, the kind of generic Russian bad guy from the fourth movie, was given 
for the first time like an actual character <laughs> to play um, and it's suddenly sort of kind of interesting and yeah I think Rocky's a weird kind of yeah I love all the films even the ones that I don't like I still love um, yeah do you, do you have a love for the Rocky franchise? I, I really do I think there's it's one of the best cases of um, sort of in terms of a sports film angle one of the a sports film done really well when it's fictional mm-hmm. but it's great in that it's a sports film. It doesn't actually feel like a sports film. Yeah, it's true. And in the, it's, a, it's it's about Rocky. It's about his characters and the sport. Like the boxing is a goal that the character, you know, aspires to. But you you never you never too fixed on the, on the on the boxing side. It's always about this character who, like you said, constantly down on his look. Mm-hmm. And my. My main introduction to sort of the Rocky, the Rocky franchise is the Creed films. Mm-hmm. I I just think they have like that Force Awakens kind of style to them, mm-hmm. in that it's a new generation and the main character of the old films is more of a supporting character in, in this one. Um, you're going down the training route, but it is still a very much Creed story. He, it's not just an excuse to get Rocky in in a film. Mm-hmm. You know, Rocky has his arc, and it's done. It's done really well, by the way. Yeah. And, but Creed, like Adonis Creed, has his own story, and is very much at the core of it, and it works, works really well. Mm-hmm. And the way it handles the existing lore from the previous films, even if it doesn't really tonally match up with some of the later Rocky films, mm-hmm. <laughs> like tonally, it's definitely more in line with Rocky and Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Um, it doesn't quite match up with because obviously one of the one of the core aspects of Creed is that his father died, mm-hmm. and that happens in one of the more, shall we say, flamboyant films. <laughs> the one with the robot in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I apologise for picking up shouting. Um, my um, our neighbour has become rather involved in the Euros. Oh, okay. <laughs> the windows are closed. I don't know if you can hear him, but um, yeah, he's he's very excitable at the moment. <laughs> as are we all, really. Um, rather appropriate for this episode as well. Yeah. But um, sorry, yes. Um, and so it it you know it handles that sort of almost like a tonal shift really well. Um, and for me, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I think the Rock, uh, Creed Two is just as good as the first one. Really? Okay. I'm not going to say I, I don't think it's better, but I think it really holds up in light of the first one. I mean, I watched uh, Creed two like straight after the first one this week, um, and honestly, I kind of I wouldn't say I think it's as good personally. I just think it's I would say it's just very very good, and I'm happy it exists. And it, it is it isn't like so my big fear was it was going to go from Rocky to Rocky four real fast, <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out no, it was. To me, at least, it was, it was like Rocky Two, which was, I wouldn't, it's not the same thing again, but it is kind of, it feels more like an expansion of the first movie, and which is what I wanted really. So I, I was very happy with the second one, and I also I would say this as well. I think the second one has a better color palette. Um, yeah, yeah. I really love the look of that film. Um, but yeah, I totally, yeah, I get it. I totally really like Creed Two mm. as well. I think as well one one of the great strengths is that I'm. If I was to pick a sport, I wouldn't pick boxing. <laughs> yeah. If 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 I was to actually say, I would say that it's probably one of my least favourite sports. Mm-hmm. Yet, 
in that film, when it comes to sort of the final stages, and I remember it quite clearly. There's like a bit where uh, Adonis sort of stands up and goes to face Son of Drago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Rocky music, it's not the same, it's not exactly the same, but like a, an updated version of the Rocky music starts playing. Yeah. And I swear to God, that 10, 20 minutes, <laughs> I had permanent goosebumps. Every time. They, I think they do it in the first one as well, when they mm. play the Rocky theme, because they keep it reserved. They're like, they're really yeah, they do. Reserved. Like, it's not like Star Wars, where you hear the theme almost every, like, I would say, like, 20 minutes, maybe. You always hear the main theme, at least. Um, mm. But with Rocky, they really keep it reserved later on, <laughs> and it always works. And it's really mm. funny as well, because the first Rocky film, the entire time they play them, they're just playing the Rocky theme throughout the entire film. There's like a piano melody, or it's finally going to be like at the end, it's like a big triumphant, the montage of all montages. It's like it's, it builds really well. But Creed really keeps it behind like closed doors for a long time. Um, yeah, I, and I think it's great when, I think it's the first movie um, where Creed like literally stands up into frame and it happens like literally, like they literally hear the theme come for the first time in the film at that point and it's yeah every time it hits me so uh, yeah i love it mm. so much it just sends a shiver down his spine like oh shit here we go yeah this is it <laughs> yeah well uh, and, and it just sort of executes that whole sort of boxing scene where it dramatizes it so well and it was also a point where because they throw in the towel don't they at one point and I just remember the moment where they throw in the towel, everyone's jumping up and down every side. And I actually felt inside inside me, I want to jump up and cheer. Yeah, I think and I think that's one of the magic things about sporting movies, is the fact that it's weird because what you're watching on screen is a is a, a, spec, a speculation event sort of thing. It's like a thing where people in the movie are watching the movie. Um, if you're watching a boxing match in the movie, people there's a whole audience like you watching that boxing match. Or, or a baseball game or football game and it's weird because you kind of side yourself with the audience in the movie um, mm-hmm. which is obviously a very involving thing for you uh, and you kind of and I totally agree I think even in sports movies that I don't particularly like like even ones that I just think are okay there's still an element where if you get to the end sort of big match or whatever it might be there's still an element where I'm so excited about this what's happening on screen because I feel like I'm a part of a big crowd, um, which is a rare thing to get. And yeah, I totally agree that there's something magical about the third act of a sports movie, no matter what kind of quality before that is. <laughs> um, yeah, totally agree. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, and as well, something that sort of speaks uh, sort of towards the second creep. I went to see it with my mum, like I do with most of my films. Um, and she really doesn't like boxing, but at the end she turned to me and said, I quite liked that. <laughs> Creed um, 1 2. Sorry? Creed 1 or Creed 2? Creed 2. Oh, okay. So it was a victory. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you want to move on to your next one? Um, yeah, can do. Um, I'm going to sort of. Uh, it's kind of cheating because I'm kind of going to do two in one here. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> um, and this is sort of my football section. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's sort of one main film, which I feel like is a really, it might be the best, best, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the best football related one. And that is a film called The Damned United. 
Oh, I saw it in school once. <laughs> you saw it in school? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I might give like a rough history lesson. So, it's got its. Um, oh, God, which one is it? Mike, Mike, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think it's Michael, not Martin. The villain from Twilight. <laughs> yes, yeah, my, uh, Michael Sheen. Yeah. Uh, plays um, a football manager in the 70s called. Brian Clough. Now, my uh, I should also say, um, my dad is a is a Leeds United supporter, right. and um, this is about man- the management of Leeds United in the seventies. Huh. Okay. <laughs> um, so my 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 dad sort of introduced me to this film. He he really likes it, and I I like I said I think it's probably one of the best football related films. So, uh, Brian not Brian Brian's his son. Nigel Clough is quite a, quite a famous English football manager because he is quite the I don't know he got a reputation as a bit of a, a bit of a, of a shit talker <laughs> you know um, constantly bigging himself up and yeah. the you know the teams he managed and he was a very successful manager won the Champions League with Nottingham Forest um, but he's quite infamous for having. A really sh- uh, brief spell as manager of Leeds United in the 70s. Right. It was because it followed Leeds United had a manager called uh, Don Revy, I think his name was, who managed them throughout the 60s, and they were immensely successful. They won they won a lot of a lot of Premier League or what was then Division One titles, and Don Revy went off to be the England manager, so they replaced him with. Um, um, I keep on wanting to call, call him um, the name of his son. I've forgotten his name now. Oh, God. Um, oh, Brian, uh, wait, no. Brian Clough. Got it. <laughs> Brian Clough, yes. Are we sure? um, um, and also, yeah, um, so yes, Brian Clough was brought in to manage them, and it didn't go very well at all. And this film sort of charters that period of time. Obviously, it's Michael Sheen, who is the king of impressions. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, he's one of, one of Britain's finest actors, and he is genuinely, genuinely brilliant in the role. And it also it, it works as a story that's sort of asymmetrical. It jumps back and forth between um, from before he was manager of Leeds to him during management of Leeds and it's one of the like I said earlier one of the problems with sort of sports films is actually showing the sport and it's one that very rarely shows the sport mm-hmm. it just sort of covers sort of what goes on behind the scenes it's very much focused on this very controversial manager right <laughs> um and his determination because Leeds had a reputation as being a really dirty team <laughs> Right. Did not um, and in the film he tries to change that and mm. it doesn't go very well right um, and so yeah you have this very I, 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 probably the best comparison I can really think of is sort of like a Tony Stark arrogant kind of guy mm. but in turn that up turn that up times ten plus he's real life <laughs> he, sorry plus he's like a real person <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it's um, and it's got a pretty, 
it's from the from the late noughties. Um, and it's got a pretty good cast of people that are British actors that maybe you didn't know were in that. <laughs> Yeah. got um timothy spalls in it you've got um thingy graham what's his name he's he's in all sorts now he can't he can't he can't get rid of him <laughs> stephen graham uh, oh yeah yeah um and yeah so it's it's it also captures really well sort of the essence of that of the sort of the classic era of of the 70s football as well as sort of the fickleness of how football is in terms of supporters and media coverage, which is something you know, in my opinion, we're seeing right at the moment with the way the England England team's treated. But it sort of encapsulates the good and the bad of, of football culture. Yeah, and believe me, there is a lot of both. <laughs> and, I never thought what's going on in football, but I always feel like everyone's angry. Or oh yeah, yeah, everyone's always angry. Yeah. Um, that's what I mean about how how in American films it's sort of it's sort of held aloft as this great cultural thing which makes life life better and everyone's always happy and these are heroes and you you contrast it with this which is a very gritty like it has a very gritty color palette it's yeah. never sunny <laughs> right. it is always cloudy whenever they're outside and they're always in really beige looking tracksuits um, realistic yeah. And you can see contrast with this, where um, this is a, a football manager who is, whenever they show his relationship with the fans, he's almost always being insulted. Um, so yeah, it's. It, I, I I would thoroughly recommend it. Yeah. I remember watching it in school. I remember I do remember liking it, but I did never find out the fascinating fact. I don't know if you know this, but. Um... But you find out this, but he is the director of that movie. Is the director behind Cats? <laughs> is it? Yeah, Tom Hooper. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because I remember finding that out. I realized. Oh, oh God, like, it is. Yeah, and I realized because I also watched Les Miserables in class and um, school, <laughs> and I realized I watched part two Tom Hooper movies in school. And yeah. <laughs> that's that's so weird. Yeah, I think it was one of the first things at least. I think it was the boy got a bit weird. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I never knew he directed that. Yeah. Must one of the one of the early earliest ones he did. Yeah, it's one of his early um, British movies, and you know the King's Speech later on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that. That's one, that's one I'd, I'd recommend. I think it's definitely worth worth the watch, especially yeah. if you like sports films. And you don't have to know. You don't really have to know any of the the surrounding context. Yeah, it does a really good job of explaining things. I think. I feel like there isn't that many actual football films, really. Like no, there isn't. Um, yeah. Especially ones that do it well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay, so, we're moving on to your your next one. Uh, yeah. So my next one is a wrestling film. Actually, um, it is came out recently. Actually, um, it was on every it was on every bus for a long time. <laughs> Um, I think it's called uh, Fighting With My Family. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the one with, I think it's Florence Pugh, who was in a character. Um, yeah. But I think just before this came, kind of famous. Um, and The Rock is in it for a bit. Um, <laughs> Stephen Merchant, you've got, got all sorts. Oh, you've got Nick Frost from, you know, Throne of the Dead, uh, fame. 
he's got a lot. He's got a lot of people in the um, Thingy Headley, who was in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cersei, I think. Um, and yeah, just a lot of people in it. And it was a fascinating watch because it's just it's it's weirdly two narratives at the same time. And mm. one of them is one of them is very much what you expect from these films. Um, and it, to be fair, it is done very well, and I do enjoy it. I do like it a lot. Um, the storyline of Florence Pugh's character is a pretty serious bio, like it's a biopic um, of a real person, and it goes from kind of being one of the very few like wrestling fans, and um, in her kind of part of the UK, um, plays she does she does wrestling with her family. Um, as like a they get paid for that as a staff like their names up and how they all that's how the mother and father met and they got like a life defined by wrestling and the like the A narrative of Florence Pugh is kind of like underdog underdog to the hero's journey to finally getting to the point of winning the match at the end and becoming like kind of famous um, and it's done very well but the B plot is so kind of it's probably my favorite aspect of the film, and it's so unusual to see this, especially tied together with a narrative about someone winning. Um, mm-hmm. The na- narrative of the brother of the main character, um, and the brother's narrative is so sad, <laughs> um, and it's something you don't really see that often. And it's just kind of the idea of what happens when you focus your life on one thing from pr- pretty much birth, like one goal. And then someone literally tells you you're not going to make it. Try something different when you're like 25 years old, and um, and it's it's hot. Like it is crushing, and it is this is a hard. This is a great scene. I think it's probably one of the best scenes. And if I had to like rank some scenes from that year of film, it would be in that conversation for me. Um, it's just so great, and it was a very simple scene of this guy in a car, the brother in a car, after getting told he wasn't going to make it, and. Um, Owning a character played by Vince Vaughn, and who is kind of like the leader of these new people that are going to be wrestling in the actual big leagues, and and he phones them, and he just for a good like five minutes just like does this whole thing where he pleads with the guy to find a way into the wrestling world, um, mm. and it is one of those things where it's just a, a camera, an actor, and a setting, and a script, and that's all it is, and it's just watching the actor. Do that do the performance of going through a range of emotions, going from a candidate speech about why I deserve this, to getting cut off from that speech halfway through, to finding going to town to plan B, to plan C, realize he didn't have another plan outside of that, and going straight like just begging for it, and then getting angry, and then getting regretful of being angry, and then like just kind of giving up and just not knowing what to do with your life. Um, mm-hmm. That one scene is so perfect, and going from that, this narrative becomes this kind of downward spiral where this guy starts going to the pubs and starts, starts, starts having fights and getting drunk because he doesn't know what else to do not doesn't know what else to do with his actual you know gift that he's been given and kind of earned through training. Um and it's such a odd thing to have in a sports movie. And I think it would be not as unexpected about a movie about that character, but the fact that it's a movie about the other character who is winning and this other narrative is kind of happening in the background. It was just so interesting to me, um, and I think it just it handled it so well. And having that after that character coming back to, well, to be fair, what he is doing is good because he's literally raised a group of kids in his in his area to be friends and have have friends. And 
have something to do together with each other and they're all happy about that and have any ending where it is happy on one end because someone you know the character the main character has like escaped her dreams after so much hardship and so much trials and at the same time you're at the same time you're watching the family watch the whole match at home on tv and you're kind of more happy that the brother's there with his wife and his new like new baby and he's like not at all jealous anymore and you kind of more happy about that aspect to it um I just found that sort of interesting um, and such an odd and new way of approaching the idea of success and winning um, and it's just such an interesting idea for me and yeah I just think it's, it's kind of a subversive because I think when we think of a sports movie we think about the whole point being do they win at the end um, and that's usually the whole point not always but it usually is um, I just think it's Kind of great, and I think a new role to go down with rookie movies to have the idea be it can't just have to be about winning. It can it can be literally about failing and why that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Which is yeah, I think it's it was just uh, yeah, I think it is surprising because I was expecting a pretty good feel good film with the rock with, with, with you know the rock makes like cheap cameos, um, and I thought it was just gonna be that, and it turned out to be something a bit more surprising to me. Um, and I do think it was only one of my favorite films of that year, and yeah, and also for yeah, The, the Rock just have cameos in it. Have you seen the film? I've seen it, yeah. Yeah. Did you find The Rock cameos um, kind of hilarious? Yeah, I think he he's so well used in it. I feel like there's such a temptation to if you got him on board to overuse him. Yeah. Um, but he's used really well. He's balanced. He's only in. I think he's only in about three scenes. I think. I think like yeah, it's only three scenes and it's always kind of like a random by chance encounter. Um, mm. But I just find that funny to me because I just imagine him. It just seems like such a weird thing where um, he rocks it like they're only doing backstage. He's the nicest guy in the world. As he is giving them a free seat and he's giving them free this and free that. And like, did he? Would he do that? <laughs> Was that the rock in two thousand and two? I don't know. Because <laughs> um, the rock before being a star was kind of. I don't know. I wouldn't say he's like the villain or anything, but he was. I think he was kind of like meant to be the villain of the WWE and not the nice guy. And I don't know for sure, but just kind of. I didn't always find it funny that he was the nicest person in the world for three scenes and this kind of just the great guy ever. Um, but yeah, I just I think this film is generally really great. I haven't seen it. I do recommend it. Um, and yeah, it's kind of. I think Stephen Merton wrote or directed it. I can't remember. Um, Sorry, I think Stephen Merchant either wrote it or directed it. I think uh, he directed it. Uh, let me just yeah. have a little check. Um, yeah, Stephen Merchant. Yeah, I yeah I, I remember having sort of very very similar feeling to it on you to you in that it's such a again it's quite a simple sort of almost sporting story, but it's just done so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got a really effective. And thoroughly impressive sort of emotional story at the heart of it, with several emotional stories even. And yeah, it's written and directed by Stephen Merchant. <laughs> yeah, I always like to see that when you see someone that's an actor throughout your entire life, like direct one thing and it's really good. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like Ben Affleck's career, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's my one of my films, I guess. Do you have any extra thoughts now or do you want to move on to your next one? Um, I, I can move on unless you have anything else you want to add. 
No, I think it's really good. <laughs> um, I think I think I'm gonna. I've I've still got two left. I think I'm gonna go for. Um, one that I kind of want to talk about because I think it sort of plays with the expectations of a sports biopic really well, and that is uh, I Tonya. Ooh, okay, yeah. Um, so I sort of watched this on, a, on almost on a whim, fairly well, fairly recently now, quite a while ago, and I I found it to be a really compelling film. Mm-hmm. Um, it be, long before, not long before, but, but, but before we had Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey, we have Margot Robbie with a, another great sort of um, unreliable narrator kind of style. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, and it sort of does the opposite of a lot of biopics and sports biopics and that you have this person struggle against the odds to claim victory in the end and it's all euphoric. And here you have the opposite in which things probably started off better and just got worse. Yeah, yeah. Kind of went down the hill. (laughs) And it it also sort of covers one of the the quite sort of brutal aspects of of sporting history when um, her rival skater was brutally attacked mm-hmm. um and it's it handles that really well but also it was one of the probably one of the few films i've really enjoyed that's done the whole long period of time thing yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. because it's always a risk when you have that because you almost lose the story you lose sort of a a, a, a recognizable thread like a, a lot of the sports movies work because they often focus on quite a short space of time. Like Moneyball, it's you know it covers the space of, sort of one season of, of the one baseball season. Yeah. Um, and uh, other films, you know, they cover one sort of sporting event and the build up to it. Whereas this one, it covers quite a large stretch of, of life, and it does still have the problems that come with that, but. With this or the unreliable narrator aspect, and you seeing scenes from two perspective and being asked which one is which one's the right one, and also again that's sort of built upon by the the documentary style of the interviews that they have. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it still has the problems of a wide space of time, but it manages to keep them compelling through through that that unreliable aspect and. Generally, just some great performances. Margot Robbie is great. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I think she um, really, I, I, want, I think she produced that movie as well. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I think there's like, because he started a production sort of thing recently, and I think she produced Better Prayer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it's, uh, it would surprise me a lot because I was expecting it to kind of lose its way after there's so many time jumps. Um mm-hmm. Looks like, like you're saying, it, it, it's all the risk. And I think it's the worst kind of habits are usually when stories like about musicians or real people become this kind of meandering between remember this song, remember that tour, remember that mm. uh, football match or whatever it might be. It kind of becomes, yeah, we all remember this, but why are you showing it? I could just watch that match on TV, the real one. <laughs> um, and I did, yeah, I just think it's. It's all the best, but I think I Tanya does that story very, very well by keeping it all very central to the arc of Tanya and the arc of the characters and kind of the inevitable 
ending which is all kind of new going in um mm-hmm. I, I didn't know about the story i didn't actually know about the story i like as it actually happened until i watched the film but i didn't know from the trailer trailer that it was going to go downhill mm-hmm. um, and it did go downhill <laughs> and, and i think there's so many fascinating characters in that movie and i how do you feel about the how they film the ice skating um because it always I don't know how I felt about it. It was always kind of because I know they did it for real, but also they would put on a CGI Margot Robbie face on top of it, mm-hmm. which sometimes looked good and sometimes to me just did not look good. <laughs> uh, I, th- I thought for the most part, most part it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it kept it kept the entertainment factor to it, and it yeah, I, I thought for the most part it was pretty good. Yeah, it. It just unsettled me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen like stills of the the CGI face, which I do agree with you is a little bit unsettling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's I, I totally good. It's definitely a very good sports film, and mm. like you say, it's kind of a unique one. So it's it's doing a real life story and actually using the new kind of documentary type of uh, uh, filming kind of achieve that without just doing the kind of generic thing where we end the film with the, the biggest hits and the, mm. the, best, the best match or whatever it might be. Um, which I, I kind of I kind of enjoy the human but I always think it's a prime example of what not to do by having your film end with 10 minutes of remember this. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, have you got another one you need to move on to? Uh, yes, this is my last one, I think. Um, I don't... It, it, it is a sports movie. But it's also kind of an animated movie, but also... I don't know how to put it. Uh, Speed Racer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Speed Racer is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, I watched it for the first time, I think, in, like, January, February time. Um, and uh, it was one of the best experiences I ever had in my life. Um, it's... A film which features uh, a monkey sidekick. Um, it has everything filmed in front of the green screen. It's one of those type of films, and everything's a cartoon. Like nothing looks one hundred percent real. Um, oh, of course, it's the Wachowskis. Yeah, yeah, it's Wachowskis. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's a weird, weird film, um, and it's such, such a. I think the best way to put it is it's such a sincere film. Um, it's such a, it, it understands that if you don't buy into the idea that this family of people that race cars for a living, and their last name, by the way, is Racer, um, and then the character's name by birth is Speed, so his name actually is Speed Racer. Um, if you don't buy into that and their gigantic kind of really obvious and blunt feeling about racing, how important it is. And again, like we've seen before, one of the best elements to me about sports movies is how that two hours of your life, whatever, somehow the racing or boxing or football will be the most important thing in the world um, because these characters treat it so importantly. Um, and it's, I think that one of the best things about the film is how it, it treats racing as the most important thing in the world. And mm. Again, the story, it, it is pretty much a kid's film. I should say that it is kind of a kid's film, and it is 
very simple and it's very much the thing you've probably seen before of someone who loves their creative passion so much but the villain of the story is kind of someone who is only concerned with the business side of it and the, the greed and the money um and it's very simple it's literally there is you have a scene in the movie where the main character says everything is my religion and then the villain literally screams in his suit oh money is my religion <laughs> and it's this is like a ridiculous thing and it's the best movie ever made <laughs> um, and it's it's yeah like i said before it's almost entirely animated it's real it's real acting but it's all filmed with a front of green screens and sort of done in animation and um, kind of post uh production um and it's incredible and it's one of those things where the it, 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 it's an adaptation of anime and it's one of those weird things where instead of trying to ad, adapt an anime by making it look like an anime it kind of goes on down the route of well if we have the camera in an animated space we will put the camera anywhere because we can't do that and especially the racing scenes get so much they're so amazing because the camera is doing so much work <laughs> it, the, the cars are doing these impossible things uh, the cars have all sorts of gadgets as well like they have like these little jumping things where you can just jump in the air they have Things to tie wheels together so you can't move like from the, from the other car. They have like so many unique and weird things to them, and every character is a big, it's like a big cartoon character wearing wearing like signature signature colors and all that sort of thing. And it's just such a it's so good because it's so simple and mm-hmm. simplicity works more than anything else. And the filmmaking is so good. And there's so much wacky high things after and there's like there's a lot of you know like i said there's a monkey sidekick and there is a little uh little brother character who is there to serve as mostly just kind of comedic uh foil and then cheat and but it, it, i have to say again like i said before like one of my favorite movie tropes ever is the main character winning the villain like beating the villain because of friendship and having friends and you know rainbows and happiness you know i i always love that um my other favorite quote like you mentioned before is also like a race or a boxing match or whatever it might be coming to a close and the crowd starts screaming in support and it gets it starts going in slow motion and the music is going like 180 miles per hour and it's just I, that's my second favorite drop and speed racer has those few things constantly um it is it is always about friendships and whatever and passion beating beating out you know, money and greed and all that. And it's also about people screaming support as our main character does the coolest thing in the car. <laughs> and it's the final race and I don't I don't know if it's really gonna spoil it, but it kind of the final race is so beyond perfect and it has this weird element to it where the film gets really surreal for a moment and because the main character kind of realizes what he needs to be and how the car is this living thing and he's a living thing and we can connect and all this sort of thing mm-hmm. and the entire racetrack kind of melts away like literally visually it melts away and there's like this you know like a, a spiral like a hypnotic spiral a hypnotic spiral sort of happening in the middle of the screen and it's it just that's how the race finishes with this amazing music music in the background and everyone screaming support and uh, it literally ends with the guy kissing the girl and he drinks, you know, oh, they don't drink champagne, they drink milk. I don't know why. I think it was a kid's movie. <laughs> they drink milk, not champagne. Um, and 
basically has everyone have a happy ending and who you thought died is actually alive and uh, the music is, again the music is great and I recommend this film to everyone to just feel happiness because Speed Racer is happiness. <laughs> um, yeah, have you seen any of this film? I have not. I I didn't even know it existed. I'll be honest. Really? Oh my god! I had, I've I've had to do a quick Google to to have a look at it, and I don't think I've ever seen it. Really? It's no. It's you said it kind of when it came out, it didn't do good at the box office. And I think ever since then it's been sort of an one was kind of underrated movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I totally recommend it. And it's, it's for the Wachowskis, it's like return to the Matrix level of quality to me. It is like that sort of level of quality. And I, wow. and I, yeah, I love Speed Racer. And I think it's great. <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, I just think Speed Racer is it's not deep or or quite as emotional as Rocky or, you know, subversive as fighting with my family can be sometimes. Um, it's more just what you expect from a racing film turned up to 15. And it's, inc- yeah, it's incredible. I totally, I recommend it to everyone. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's my last pick. Um, oh, okay. Good, good. <laughs> um, should, I, should I go for my last one? Yeah, can do. So this this is a film that you know I'd like to get in wherever I can, and it does fit within this category. It is Field of Dreams. Oh my God, yes! <laughs> I love this film. Great film. Have you seen it? Yeah, I love it. So. Oh, great! Uh, <laughs> it's we did we did ten films always recommend post, and this is one of mine. And it is it does fit in the sports category because it sort of it winds itself quite well with like real history of, of, of baseball. Again, it's sort of one of the best examples of baseball being so romanticized. Yeah. And it has such a magical feeling to it. And I just love the fact that for part of this it's Kevin Costner and the voice of Darth Vader just on a road trip. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> um and so if, if you don't know it, you know, a farmer goes into his field one day and hears the word, build it and he will come. And so he builds a baseball field where his crops were. Yeah. Um, and he goes on a journey of discovery as the, sort of the ghosts of this band baseball team arrive and start playing baseball on his field like, like ghosts. And it's just so, it's so, it's sort of done like through, if, if I could say nostalgia was ever a lens, yeah, I'd say this is it. It's very romanticised, which is partly why I love it. And it's just so. It's done without a, without a, an angry or without a, a malicious bone in its body. There's barely just, any sort of conflict, really. <laughs> it's yeah. just pure affection. You can tell it's like a love letter to the idea of baseball and, and this, this family. And at the heart of it, you have quite a, it's quite a lovely set of emotional journeys, especially with Kevin Costner's character. And just to see sort of the idea of, the, of this baseball team who were banned from ever playing again, being able to play again together. It's just so, it's just so sort of poetic, I think. And it adds sort of a level of tragedy to this sort of, based in history kind of thing and it has such a wonderful emotional core to it yeah. and just the, the scenes where he's playing catch with his dad is just yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh it and it has one of those things where 
like Tim Fowler, the passion for baseball, whatever, and how my time it is. It's it's so kind of it's great for when you say it out loud. It sounds really funny, but mm. it works in the film where mm. these baseball players come back from the dead and they just are totally happy just playing baseball forever in this one field. Um, it's incredible, and the film's ending is so so good. Mm. I I always say it's sort of the final sort the final frames. It's one of the final be- oh, sorry one of the best final sort of shots I've ever seen. Yeah. Not because it's necessarily something spectacular. It's just that moment of, oh, <laughs> yeah. They you know he was right kind of thing. It's sort of uh, that sort of gratification you get from from knowing that there are more people out there. And it's literally like it's literally all based on like the feeling of the moment, and mm. kind of literally the entire like I guess plot device at the end is people will come because they will just feel like they have to go. Mm. It, again, it sounds a little like kind of ridiculous when you say out loud and you say that it's just, it's just a baseball movie. Um, this isn't a sci-fi movie, but the movie implies and just kind of goes with it that the entire world will just come to one field because. They will all feel it at the same time. Mm. And it totally works. <laughs> it is. It's just so pure. It's just, again, it's one of them, it's not necessarily based on this big real life sporting event. There's no, there's, there isn't that moment, that moment that we like when the crowd goes wild or anything. It's just, mm. it's just people's love for a sport and love for something that, you know, brings them together. And it's just so, it just melts your heart. <laughs> It does, yeah. And again, like you're saying, like there, it's like it's so unusual because there is no, you don't really watch them actually play baseball that much. It's it's always in the background. It's always being talked about, but like there's not really a big baseball match that ends the whole movie. It's it is literally just about people loving playing it and watching it, and they love it so much that they will travel to be, like, you know, united as a whole country or world or whatever. And so weird. And it's, like, it's totally works. And it's a movie about going across the country to gather some ghosts. And, yeah. And, like, again, you say out loud, it sounds so ridiculous, but it totally works. And it's weirdly emotional. It's so, like, it's so weirdly comedic as well. And you have, like, again, like, the best quote sort of, um, romantic pairing with Kevin Costner and his wife where it's just they totally support each other no matter what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It's just a weird film. I think it's almost kind of an, anom- an anomaly of the film because it kind of doesn't abide by any sort of generic rule we kind of think about. Like mm. there's no no real tension about whether there's like a time limit on this. There's no real I guess at most you've got like the kind of uh, in-law brother that kind of wants to sell the house because it's uh, you know I think they're too poor to keep on owning it I think mm-hmm. and it's not even that sort of element is kind of very much in the background mm. <laughs> and yeah it's more like it, it effectively works in that you want them to succeed just because you want them to succeed you want them to be right yeah yeah totally it's such a weird film <laughs> It is. It also has it. It's one that it works perfectly with sort of the idea of the fact that it looks very eighties and nineties. It does. Yeah. It has that that lovely sort of haze to it, which really adds to it. Mm-hmm. It 
has that, like, you know, dreaminess. And also has that image where I think it, it always works for me. Um, sort of cornfield image um, of this like endless, an endless field. Um, mm. With these cornrows and the sun and the sunset and all that. I, that image always works for me in both the films. And Field of Dreams is literally that entire image for the entire two hours. <laughs> mm. And yeah, it's a, it's a great film. Um, oh, I love yeah. it so much. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah. that, that was my last one. Are we done then? Are we out? I think so. I did have a few others that I thought about, but I, I, I didn't really think I could talk about at length that much. We can, you can kind of like go through them if you want, like list them off. Yeah, I, I suppose I can. I, I remember a long, I saw this from a long time ago, and I don't really remember it that well. I just remember liking it at the time. I don't know, given sort of sort of historical context after the film's release. I don't know if it's viewed the same way. But I always really liked the film Invictus. Um, I don't know if I've heard of it. You've not heard of it? Oh, it's um, it's about um, the, the the Rugby World Cup in South Africa. Huh. Which I was one... It was, it, was one it, was, it was during the time when Nelson Mandela was president. And the, it was sort of the idea of the whole country needed some something to unite behind, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they 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 put a lot on the the World Cup team. It's got Morgan Freeman as Nelson Mandela, and there's Matt Damon who's the rugby team's captain. Oh. And it's sort of about the relationship between um, Matt Damon and or the Nelson Mandela and the captain of the the uh, rugby team. Yeah, and we try and find the names. Invictus, 2009, the film. Oh, I totally missed it. <laughs> uh, oh, directed by Clint Eastwood. I didn't know that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, Morgan Freeman, Nelson Mandela, and Matt Damon is Francois Pinar. So that's a name. <laughs> uh, what a name it is. Uh, and yeah, so it, it, it's, it's about sort of... Because I don't, I don't, uh, this, is, this isn't really a spoiler, but um, in fact, no, I'm, I'm not going to say because if you do watch it, it's best if you're not spoiled, but it's it's a really I I, I found it to be quite an sort of inspiring film as, as a as a youngster. I don't know if I'd still find that that the same way now because I've sort of grown up and it does sort of sort of deal with sort of the apartheid the apartheid and and racism, but I I can't remember if it handles it well or not. I just remember the the actual rugby stuff and the sort of the personal relationships it, it handles really well. Um, so yeah, I, that's sort of another good sports film. Other ones I had were um, Peanut Butter Falcon. I think it's quite good. That's based around wrestling. I watched the first time I had to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, again, this is probably the loosest of the sports-related ones, but I had put Real Steel on. Oh, the Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's robot. taking over a big robot. Yeah, that was. <laughs> um, I always found that to be enjoying. And uh, finally, Eddie the Eagle. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think I made uh, Rocketman, I think. Yeah, um, Dexter Fletcher and Taron Egerton. Yeah. Dexter Fletcher, I always think his name's going to be the guy from Star Wars Episode 2. <laughs> in the car. <laughs> yeah, the guy, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. Uh, also, Dexter Fletcher probably most famous for being the the little kid in um, Bugsy Malone. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, Babyface. Yeah. Oh, he direct. Oh, I thought he directed that for a second. Did he direct that? Who directed that? The Some Shine on Leaf. Who directed that? Well, it was Dexter Fletcher. He did Some Sunshine on Leaf as well. Around. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's all I had, um, and some some good films. But yeah, ah, I just love Field of Dreams. <laughs> Do you think I think if there's any is there any movie to explain to people why people might love a sport? I think mm. Field of Dreams would work the best because it's just like take out the name baseball and put in football or boxing or whatever, and that would kind of appeal pretty well explain why you would love something because um, Field does that <laughs> very well it does uh, yeah. shall I wrap it up yep yep we can wrap it up cool okay well thank you for listening hope you enjoyed it this season of sporting goodness that we have and I don't want to jinx it but it's definitely coming home because <laughs> 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 uh, I know a lot of football and I am yeah. like I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, like I mentioned again, we do have an Instagram account at Marvelous Similar Podcast, where we do daily reviews Tuesday to Friday uh, and podcast on Monday. Uh, our latest post actually was actually a, a movie that we recommend post uh, Friday. Uh, so I hope you can enjoy that too. Um, also, got a same thing over on Twitter at Similar Marvelous. Um, we'll do daily reviews Monday, uh, Tuesday to Friday and then a podcast on Monday. Uh, and yeah, if you want to review, a comment, a like, or whatever you can, share with your friends uh, if you want to um, on any podcast uh, supplier that you are listening on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed and thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Bye.